a guest is somebody you plan on being there. And so you intentionally plan for the thing. A visitor is somebody that usually shows up unexpected. Role play this in your mind. So you're at home and somebody knocks on your door. Your house is all a mess. You're not planning on it. You know, your, your hair's up in curlers. You're not expecting people to come into your, in your house. And then the husband comes to the door and says, honey, we have some visitors. It literally means, honey, somebody's at the door to see us and we weren't planning on it. But if you invited them over and you were prepped for them and you planned for them and you have it all laid out, you invite them in and you say, honey, our guests have arrived. We anticipated, we expected you, we planned for you, we, we invited you here. And, and that's a big thing. Now, I know a lot of people in life, you don't mind if people pop into your house, your house is always clean. Just, just a survey, how many of you say, I don't care if anybody shows up to my house, my house is always clean. Okay, not many hands are going up right now. That's because most of the time we're like, you know, somebody knocks on the door and it's like, hey, it's so-and-so, it's a neighbor, it's a friend or whatever. Mom sprints to the door to cut them off because she does not want them coming in to see the mess in the house. It's like dishes in the sink, laundry's piled up on the couch, you know, everything's everywhere. You have the toys all over. If you have kids and stuff like that, the house is just chaotic. So you cut them off. Now, if you have them coming over and you know that they're coming over, this is what you do. You shove everything in the closet so they won't see it. All the laundry goes in the laundry room. You block off certain rooms. You tell the kids, nobody's allowed in this room, okay? Do not bring the kids in this room. Do not then bring them upstairs. Why? That's where you have all your messes. You, you don't want people seeing. Now, now, kitchen, man, everything they're going to see is going to be spotless. You're going to be like, oh, come on in. And they're going to be like, your house is so clean. Yeah, I know. It's always like, you know, it's like you put on that act. It's not always like that. You just shove everything in the, in the crevices and the, the, the closets and everything, getting ready for your guest. Say that. Let me tell you, it's human nature for people to not want other people to see their messes. It's human nature. It's human nature to, to make up excuses. It's like uh, we, we had family coming in the town, and I, I, I was keeping up with the front yard, and then it started raining, and I didn't have time to do the backyard, and the, the grass got really long and green in the back, and it was really thick, and uh, we had our friends over, our, our family over, and so I went, I went around and closed all the blinds because I didn't want them seeing the, the grass in the back. You say, it's just grass. I know for me, it's just weird. It's just like, I don't want them thinking in the back of their mind, wow, he doesn't really take care of his yard. You guys know what I'm talking about? I, I, I'm not saying that it's terrible for my grass. It's not terrible for you to have dishes in the sink, but you're like standing in front of it. You're making excuses. Oh, we just finished with lunch or dinner or whatever. I don't want people seeing my life a mess. It's the same thing spiritually. You don't want your kids going to church telling, mommy and daddy fought the whole way here. You know, we don't want that, that kind of conversation. We, don't, we want people knowing that our life is in disarray. Or we have issues or problems or whatever. We don't, we don't want anybody knowing those things. So what, what do we do? We, we hide all those issues. I, I, I don't want to come in. I don't, I don't want people knowing that uh, we're financially strapped. You don't want people knowing that you're fighting with your spouse. You don't want people knowing that your kids are questioning God. It's like, man, it's like that closet. You shove everything in there and you want to pretend like everything's okay. But the truth of the matter is we've got a lot of lives. No, no, no. All of our lives have mess. You want to sit there and pretend like you don't have mess in life, man, you are deceiving yourself. You are lying to yourself when it comes to that. We all have messes in life. If you want to go through um, 
the Bible, they all had messes. Isn't it funny how we'll put halos on all these people in the Bible? You know, you think about Adam and Eve, they, they only had two kids. And, and they couldn't even blame their kids' problems on, you know, the school friends or neighborhood kids or your brother's kids or whatever. You know, just, they were just, one rose up and killed the other brother, okay? It's like, can you imagine that conversation with Adam and Eve saying, where did we go wrong? It's like, who do you blame for that situation? You think about Noah. Noah got drunk, passed out naked. His family had to go in and cover up his nakedness. Moses lost his temper in front of God and ended up smiting the rock. And, and God ends up making it where he can't go into the promised land. You talk about Lot, go into Lot's life. His, his life was full of drama and issues. You talk about David. David was a great leader. David had messes. One day he saw a woman naked on a roof. He, he, he wanted that woman to be brought to his house. He ends up sleeping with this woman, getting her pregnant. Sounds like a soap opera, doesn't it? Then he, then he manipulates the situation to have the dude murdered. Sit there and say, I just wish I could be like all these people in the Bible. You probably are like all the people in the Bible. <laughs> you know, it's like, issues, drama, family issues, problems. It's all those things. But most of the time, if I'm going to talk about David, I'm going to be like, David took a rock and brought down a giant. I want to be like David. That's the story. Because we don't want to talk about the stuff he shoved in the closet of his house. I don't want to talk about all that. You realize if we were to rewind in life and talk about why, it comes down to sin. Every issue you have in your marriage is sin. Every family drama, it's sin. Every issue with your child, it's sin. When it, when it comes to that, I mean, if we could just be real, we blame everything and so all these different things. And let me break the, the sin down in the different ways. Number one, we live in a sin-cursed world, Okay. You're going to have people cut you off. You're going to have people uh, mistreat you at work and, and, and lie about you and all this. We live in a, such a sin-cursed world. It's so, it's messed up, okay? It is so, so messed up. And the Bible says that. It's, it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to grow worse and worse through time. But then the second thing is, and this is what my main focus is, is it's, uh, there's generational sin. We're going to see that in the story of Jacob here in a minute. And that's what we're in Genesis chapter 5. If you want to start turning there, Genesis chapter 5. You, know, you, you have a problem in your life, and we pass that down to your, our kids in the next generation. Next generation. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament, the, the sins of the father were passed on. You know, you have families that grow up and they're, they're divorced, and that's all they had is broken marriage. And then the next kid, they never have a, a marriage to look up to. And so they end up divorced because they've never seen it. Or you, you, you raised in a house that all they did was fight all the time and curse and yell at each other. And then all of a sudden your kid says, man, I don't want a house like that. And they have the exact same house because they were indoctrinated with that. It's natural response to deal with issues because they saw it like that in your own life. They saw it so much that it becomes ingrained in their thinking. It's just become second nature to them. But then the third thing is our sin nature. It's our flesh. The Bible says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Man, if we, if we could tap into that and acknowledge that, Paul was saying to will is present with me. Man, to do right, man, it's here. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So what do we have because of our flesh? We have character issues. We, we, we grow up from the time of us being born. We grow up with the sin nature to lie and cheat. Have any, just survey, okay, be honest, we're in church, right? How many of you have had to teach your kids how to lie? Raise your hand. 
But, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you might teach them how to lie well, but, but uh, teaching them how to lie, it's, it's second nature. They're, they're going to lie and deceive and do things because it's, it's just in their nature. It's amazing how we, we have character issues when it comes to being honest and procrastinating. None of that had to be taught in your life. It's just, it's just natural. It's, it's in, in you no matter what. Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that any would not work, neither should he eat. You know why the Bible had to command that? Because we, in our human nature, are lazy. The Bible says if you're not going to get a job, you're not going to eat. And our, we, we fight against our flesh. It's, it, it's in our human nature. It's in our sinful nature to be like this. It's in all of us. But here's the thing, and this is all introduction. These struggles are all around us, your flesh, the world, and generational sin, but it does not have to be what dictates the future of your life. Do you guys hear me? It does not have to. You sit there and say, well, if you knew my childhood and all that stuff, praise God that you're in church and you're under the sound of the gospel and you have the Bible in your hand right now because the Bible says that the truth will set you free. You don't have to stay on that path. You don't have to use it as an excuse for the rest of your life. You can rise above it. Let me give you some verses that talk about this. The Bible says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you, may, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. The Bible says, Don't let it rule you. You don't have to let it rule you. You know why? Jesus died on a cross. He comes to live inside of your life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You have the power and the ability to overcome it. The Bible says, Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. Literally, I'm going to give you something stronger. You were raised in a home that didn't have that. God says, I'm going to save you, bring you to church, and give you the word of God, and I'm going to give you something good that's going to be greater than the evil in your life. Thou says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. He said, hey, you're accountable now. If I brought you to a place to know what is right, then he says, if you don't do it, then you're setting yourself up to create a mess in your life. Stop passing on the sin. You are a new creature. We sometimes will cry about our problems. and like, if it's just this is the way it is, and God just doesn't love me. And God says, wait a minute, come here, come here. Remember how you have this lying problem, lying problem, lying problem, lying problem? You created this mess. You have a lazy problem, lazy problem, lazy problem, and you've gotten away with it for a long time, but I'll tell you what, you've created this mess. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go back to the root of it, and we're going to address the mess. We're going to address the mess in our message today in Genesis chapter 25. Known a lot of introduction today, but I only have two points, okay? So you will get out of here on time for lunch, I promise. Let me give you some history. It all started with Abraham. A lot of you grew up in church. You saw the flannel graph. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. He was the forefather. God saw an upright spirit, upright heart in here. And him, God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you like the stars of the heavens and the sands of the sea. Will your children be numbered? I'm going to bless you in that way. Well, God ends up raising him up, making this covenant with him. From his seed ends up coming the children of Israel, but he had messes. I'll tell you what, if we're going to lay it out, we're getting to Jacob. He's the grandkid, but let's start with Abraham. Abraham ends up lying about his wife being even his wife when he goes into Egypt and says, oh, she's my sister, because he was trying to get out of trouble because he thought, if they want to marry my wife, they'll just kill me. So he lied about it. That created tons of drama and problems because he lied. Then he ends up knowing that God promised to bless his seed. 
And then he doesn't have a baby. They get old, still not having a baby. They're like 90 and 100, still no baby. You know, it's like, and so that somewhere along the line, they decide to take it into their own hands. Now, let me tell you guys, this, his plan didn't work. It was a dumb plan. They look over at their handmaid, who is Hagar, this young girl. And they're like, well, if you can't have babies with us, then maybe I can go have a baby with her. That's bad advice, okay? Anytime a guy thinks he can sleep with a younger woman and not have drama with his wife, it's sin and it's not going to work, okay? So he ends up sleeping with her, gets her pregnant. She, she's going to have this baby. And guess who's jealous? Oh, well, duh. Here's Sarah over there, like this young girl walking around and, and, and having it all together and everything. And she's all jealous of what's going on here. And then she goes to Abraham and rips his face off. It's like, why did you do this? And you should have did this. And he's like, wait a minute, this was our plan. Then Abraham caves in and tells, uh, tells his wife, Sarah, go ahead and go, go yell at her, do whatever you want. She goes in there, literally gets in the flesh and tears her apart emotionally. Hagar runs out of the house and runs. She ends up encountering this spot at the well where she encounters God. And God says, I'm the God that sees and sends her back. And God fixes the mess. They have a son named Isaac. Isaac's the one that crawled on the altar. God said to sacrifice him. Then God gave him back. Isaac ends up having a wife. By the way, he lies about his wife the same way that Abraham did to get out of trouble. And now they want to have a baby. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to take today in the next four weeks to walk through a very messy life. But not from the idea of like, oh man, life's a mess, your life's a mess, we're all a mess, let's just, no. I want you to see how life is a mess because of sin. And just to be real, you might be sitting in church and you might have been in this church your whole life. You might have titles and positions or you've been a Christian and all this. You still have issues in your life. And if you're not being real about that, I'm telling you, you're just deceiving yourself. If you are made of flesh, and by the way, we all are, you have problems. And we create messes because we're born in sin. So, that's the history. Genesis 25, verse 1. Let's get into the story. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire the Lord. Literally, she has these babies. They're twins. She doesn't know what's going on. You know, it's not like they had all the technology like they had today. But let me tell you, if she's going to ask God what's happening in my belly, she knew that there was war happening in her belly. Okay, this was more than just Taco Bell the night before. This is serious stuff right here, okay? She, she's, she knows that something's happening. There's war within the babies inside of her belly. She goes before God and she says, God, what's going on? I don't understand. I, I, at first it was just cute and that, that I could feel the babies move. Now I feel like there's a war happening. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and one of the people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. The two babies in her belly were Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob would, be the children, uh, would have his name changed. They would be the children of Israel. His name's later changed to Israel. If you don't want to know history and geography and you look over the nation of Israel, that's all that's right here. That's what we're talking about right now. Didn't start off all pretty. It wasn't great. It was a, it was a disaster. Family drama. And some of you would say, family drama. I know that. I was like, so did they. We can learn a lot from this if we stop and study this. 
The other one was Esau. That's where the Edomites came from. And they end up being opposing nations down the road. He said the oldest would serve the youngest. When they had a child, the firstborn was the leader of the clan. He had the birthright. He was the eldest son. He's the one that would carry on the name. He's the one that would get the heritage. It's not like today. Today, all of our kids get equal, unless you have a favorite. Does anybody? Never mind. So unless you have a favorite, they, they would all be treated the same. The oldest, back in their Bible, in the Bible days, the, the oldest got most of it. They, they, they were the ones that were the head of everybody else. Watch what happens. Watch this drama unfold. And when, when her days were to be delivered fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. I, I don't know if we can actually visualize this hairy garment baby. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? But I'm telling you, I don't think this baby would win any cutest baby awards. It's not the baby you would want to post on Facebook, okay? I'm just putting out there. Did you guys know that there, in this world there really are some ugly babies? Does everybody know that? Okay, some people raising their hands high, and some people are like, no. And everybody goes up and says, oh, your baby's so cute. Sometimes you shouldn't say that because it's not always true. <laughs> and you're lying to that poor mother, and she's probably thinking, oh, I thought he was ugly, but maybe I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, I've tried to learn because I've learned that if you just say, wow, that's a really ugly baby. Moms don't like that. I don't know why. Supposed to be a preacher of truth, and yet they look at me funny like that, but... There's other ways to say it. It's like, oh, what a cute nose. Anyways, I'll teach you the tricks. <laughs> this next baby comes out. It's Jacob. And Jacob we're going to focus on for the next four or five weeks. But Jacob is very important. What his name means, his beginning, how it was changed, how he ran, all, everything about him. And what was God teaching us from this? The whole children of Israel come from this guy right here. And after that came out his brother and his and in his hand took hold of Esau's heel, literally. And his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was threescore years old when she bare him. He comes out of the womb literally holding on to his brother. Now you got to know that, that God was explaining what was going on, but his name, the name Jacob explains who he was. His name literally means heel grabber. It, it means supplanter. It means the one who takes hold of other things. The word supplanter has a lot of meaning to it too. It means someone that doesn't do the right things to get ahead. Now, this is important because I promise you, Esau at the end of this story comes up to him and says, he's a supplanter. He says, he's a cheater. He's a liar and a cheater. Jacob is interpreted as someone who seizes or, or usurps authority. He does whatever he can. Now, this is the crazy thing about this. He comes out of the womb literally comes out of the womb, literally holding on to his brother's heel of demonstrating. So the Bible is saying his name is Jacob because he has the spirit, but the physical action literally is grabbing a hold of the older brother saying, I want to be first, or that should be me. It's, it's this visual. And it's, so let's lay this out. This is so important. Number one, we are born with a sin nature. This needs to be addressed because a lot of times we'll say that, but a lot of times we detach ourselves from the reality of this as our kids or as we grow over. It was instinct. Kids will naturally be, you don't have to teach them to say, this is mine. You put kids in a room, you bring another kid in there. I tell you, that kid that had, that's his room or his toys or whatever is automatically going to be pulling it back going, mine, this is mine. 
don't have to teach your kid to say no. They naturally know that in their mind. No. Now you have to teach them how to say please and thank you. You have to teach them how to make their bed, but you don't have to teach them how to throw things on the floor. Sin nature to do the wrong things or to be lazy or to please your flesh is in all of us. It's instinct. You know why the Bible is describing Jacob as grabbing his brother's heel? It was in his heart, but it, was, it wasn't like he was plotting in the womb saying, when I get out, this is what I'm going to do. And it, it was a matter, it was just, it was proving that it was just instinct. Me first. I want this. Sin is, and the Bible says, behold, I was shaped in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. I'm not saying that my mom did sin, but literally in sin, in the world of sin. I was born into sin. Nobody has to teach you to sin. I say this is important because of the fact is we're born selfish. We're born with lust and greed and anger. We're born to want to be first and, and to push other kids and to, to lie and, and yell. Parents know this. I love you, but let me tell you the truth. Your kids are sinners. Well, there's no amens on that. I was expecting, it was like, amen on that one. Your kids are sinners. They have a sinful nature. They're born in sin. For parents to sit there and say, my precious little Tommy or my little princess would never ever do that. You are lying to yourself. It'd be an important day when you wake up and understand that the Bible describes that our hearts are desperately wicked and who can know it? They're born in sin. They're going to do wrong. They're going to gravitate towards wrong. By the way, you were born in sin and the fact that some of that sin nature you've never gotten a hold of and that's why you have issues and messes today. You've had it all the way from a child. And let me show you in this story, mom and dad did not do their job. And you say, you're talking about the, the, the children of Israel and their forefathers. And the, No, I know they did, but they were people just like us and they screwed up. They messed up. They did not do their job as parents. All of these things came as a result. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, they should not depart from it. You know what the word train means? You have to correct your kids. You have to step into their life and say, no, we don't do that. Rather than saying, well, little Tommy will be little Tommy. That's the way he is. Kids will be kids. Yeah, and brats will be brats, okay? Kids will be kids and brats will be brats. And if you don't correct your kids and you step into their life and you don't address the issues that they have, you are raising a brat. And you'll know it because we see them in Walmart. I saw this kid one time and he was mommy asking mom for all these different things. Mom's not giving it. So the kid wrapped his arms around his mom's leg and literally chomped down on his mom's leg until she's screaming in Walmart. That, that, that wasn't the issue. The issue is he was taught to be that that was okay from the time he was born. And I know this isn't popular to even talk about, but I'm telling you, we have a generation of kids that don't know right from wrong. We have a generation of parents that don't know right from wrong because of the fact is we're not acknowledging from the very beginning that we were born in sin and we have a sin nature. We're born in flesh. We're heel grabbers. And you might not be that heel grabber of I want to be first, but it might be lust. It might be angry. Anger, it might be some other issue that you have. I promise you, his name, Jacob, meant heel grabber, but yours probably means something else because you all, we all have sin in our lives. I was driving down the road, Winchester Pike, this past week, and this car was speeding behind this other car coming towards me. And I'm thinking, no, he's not, 
he goes to pass the car, even seeing me coming down the road, he still gets into the other lane to pass that car to get in front of that. He doesn't have enough time to do that, so he starts getting over it. He runs the car that was, he was passing off the road and runs me off the road, and we both had to get off the road for him to speed past both of us. Say, in a second, to, to literally, and then literally, he gets behind the next car and has to slow down in the light. It didn't do him any good. But he could have killed people. He could have killed families in that moment. Why? Because the fact is, it's in our flesh. Me first. Get out of my way. I want to be right. I don't care what it takes. And we see these types of people. We're all these types of people. We are. And the reason why I'm addressing this is we're talking about the messy life. If we would get real with ourselves, instead of blaming our parents and blaming the world and blaming society and blaming, 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 and just go to a mirror... And say, we need to address me. I I need to address my sinful nature, my issues, and my problems. We need to get real with ourselves. I was born in sin, and it is natural for me to want to sin. This is the opposite of what Jesus taught when Jesus was with him. And just so you guys know, Jesus said in the Bible, he he was talking to the disciples. He said, if any man's going to come after me, he said, let let him deny himself. You know why he was saying let him deny himself? Because Jesus was saying, you're born in sin. You have a sinful nature. You're going to constantly want to please yourself. If you're constantly pleasing yourself, you cannot please God. If you're constantly doing what you want and giving into your flesh, I promise you, you have a disaster after disaster after disaster waiting on you. If your kids are constantly, well, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, and there's no denying in the flesh and understanding that you have to work and you have to have patience and you have to be long-suffering, and sometimes the answer is no, and we can't learn to accept that at a young age, you will create a disaster in a marriage one day. The Bible is just explaining in this passage Yes, he had a problem. It wasn't just the bowl of stew that he betrayed his brother with. It wasn't just the fact that he deceived his, his dad later in the story. It's the fact that it started at birth. It starts in all of us. We all have a sin nature. The Bible says, many as shall be first shall be last, and the last shall be first. What was he saying? You've got to learn the biblical way of doing things. You've got to deny yourself, crucify your flesh, say no to yourself, learn to be under subjection to the authority of God in your life. And by the way, that's what we do as parents is we teach that to our kids. God is first. The Bible is our authority. Others come first. It's not about you. It's all about God. If we don't get this, we'll have a mess in our lives. Watch what happens. And the boys grew, verse 27. And so did their issues. And the boys grew, and Esau was cunning hunter, a man in the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Plain man, gentle. Now, I'm not making fun of Jacob by any means, but he was soft. He liked to stay at home. He liked to help his mom. And what happened is the Bible describes, and you know the story, if a lot of you know the story, when the manipulation comes later, it was mom that was manipulating Mom that starts it. Wasn't the influence that he needed in his life. His mom was getting him out of trouble and manipulating. I'll tell you, we've got to be careful not to be helicopter parents, you know what I'm saying, hovering over them all the time. I'm not saying not to take care of your kids, but at the same time, we have to teach our kids to train them up for what? In the way they should go. Literally teaching them what's right, teaching them that there's consequences in life. Here's something biblical that we need to understand. You will reap what you sow. If a child gets in trouble, they need to understand that there's consequences because I'd rather learn them learn that at home than from a cop or a police officer on the road. 
or, or from wrapping their car around a, a tree for, because of the fact is they weren't listening to the law. This is important for us to understand that they, that they had issues in there. And mom and dad were not addressing the issues whatsoever. Not in, and so uh, an illustration of what happened, Esau goes out and he's, he's hunting and doing all these things. He comes back, he's exhausted, he's famished, he's a dude, he wants to eat and I want to eat now. I'm hungry, I'm famished. His brother's in the kitchen doing the Betty Crocker thing and, 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 and cooking and making all these things. And then he walks out with a stew and he says, oh, you really want this? He said, man, I'll do anything for that stew. And he walks up to him and he says, uh, give me your birthright. What was he saying? To be first in line in the family. Give it to me. And he, he, the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright, saying, I don't care. It, it was a lack of spiritual discernment. There was no, hey, this is my heritage, and I'm raising up to be a leader, and I've got a godly calling on my life. And, man, God made me a promise through my dad and my grandfather. I don't care. Where'd that come from? I don't care. No discipline of his flesh on either side. So they make this deal. Now let me show you the second point and the last point of this. It's not only that we're born with a sin nature. We've got to acknowledge that. It's, it's not that you have to be thrust upon it. It's not that it just happens in life. You're born that way as a heel catcher coming out of the womb. Born in sin. Number two, our sin nature cultivates messes. Just let it go. It's, it's like having a garden and there being weeds in it. What did you do to put the weeds in there? Nothing. Nothing. It's just naturally going to happen. And you've got to understand in your personal life, if you are raised and you have all the sin nature and the problems and the anger and all these other things, it's not just proof one day going to go away. It's the same thing with your kids. Your kids aren't going to go one day just wake up and be straight-A students and get out of bed and not procrastinate, whatever. There's got to be disciplines brought into their life. There's got to, there, there's got to be training and instruction brought into their life. We remove that and we cultivate naturally. You don't have to work at it. Disasters and messes and divorces and, 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 and rap sheets and everything else that's going to come out of our lives. You jump forward in the story. We'll do this in a minute. We see family drama. We see distraught parents. We see anger leading almost to the point of murder. All because of the fact is that we let sin cultivate in his life to get to this point. Why? Our flesh takes the lead and it will destroy. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Just let it go, and I promise you, it will destroy, destroy, destroy. Let's keep reading. Chapter 27, verse 1. It came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see. He called Esau his oldest son, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know that the day of my death now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me some savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Remember, the birthright was the first in order. That literally meant that I'm the oldest, I'm going to lead the clan, I'm going to lead the family, I've, I've got the family name, I've got that position. But the blessing was kind of the passing of the baton. It was the signing of the will. It was, it was the double blessing. It was, the, it, it was the sealing of the deal when it came to this. It was, it was placing what he had on his father as he's about to die and say, okay, son, now it's all yours. It's not that he's just first in line. Now he has it. He's loaded up with the blessings of that. You know what's crazy about this? 
Esau is doing this, but Esau already made the deal with his brother. He should have said, Father, let me be honest with you. I was hungry one day, and I gave it up for a bowl of soup. You know what I'm saying? Which is crazy in and of itself. But the fact is, Esau was sitting there saying, I'm not going to honor it anyways. When the time comes, I'll just get in line and get the double blessing. And I know for us, we would just say, you know, redo or I'm sorry, whatever. But there was, a, whoever the father blessed, that was, a, that was a done deal right there, okay? It couldn't be undone in this situation. Here goes this drama. Mom overhears it, calls him into the kitchen. They're both having their matching aprons on, standing there talking in the kitchen. You know, and he says, hey, your brother is going to get the blessing. I wanted you to get it even though that it's all manipulation lying. He says, I know how to trick your dad. Let me ask you, how, what kind of uh, marriage do you have when you're going to sit there on your husband's deathbed to manipulate your son to steal the blessing and do this? You talk about sin, when it is not dealt with, will cause so much ripple effect in your life. And I'll tell you, we're seeing it so much because we're not stepping back going, this is wrong, this is wrong. That's when we have empty, empty altars and empty repentance and we fight against conviction in our life and then we have drama and family issues and divorce and everything else, it's because we have gotten so apathetic to our sin in our lives. Mom dresses him up. They wrap uh, fur on his arms, on his hands. They put smelly clothes on him so he smells like his smelly brother, okay, the ugly one. And so they they dress him up like this and he goes in there and he begins to put on this whole act in front of his dad to deceive his dad. Let me just tell you guys, when your sin is in control and you're living in the flesh, God can't bless your lies. Why is it so hard and life is just so hard and God's like, because I'm not blessing that. He that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. It's sin, it's sin. And if you know to do right and you know to act right and you know to respect and you know to honor and you know all these things, I tell the teens, he's like, you can have rebellion in your heart, but God can't bless rebellion. God will bring you to a place to break you, to, to, to understand and relieve, bring it out of your mind and your heart to say this is wrong because God wants to bless you. God wanted to bless Jacob and Esau, but God can't bless your mess. Make sure that's in your mind next time you're like, man, why is my life such a mess? When God says, because I can't bless your mess. Watch what happens. Rebecca spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, behold, I heard thy father speak to Esau, thy brother, saying, bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to which I have commanded thee generational sin. Verse 18, and he came unto his father and he said, my father, and he said, here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Lie number one. I have done according that thou badest me. Lie number two. Arise, I pray thee. Sit and eat my venison that my soul might bless thee. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? He's like, what in the world? He said, you just left. And he said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Now he's literally using God saying, God set it up. Bambi just ran out in front of me and I was able to kill him and bring him to you. And Isaac said unto Jacob, come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my son Esau or not. And Jacob, because he knew something was wrong. He knew he was being scammed. He knew something was wrong. 
And Jacob went near unto his father, his, uh, Isaac, his father, and felt him. And he said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Deception and lie. And he discerned him because his hands were hairy and his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed them and he said, art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. Can you imagine being at the point of that? Where Isaac, this old man, sitting there trembling, couldn't see eyes, cataracts, all the different things. They didn't have all the technology and medicine that we have. Sitting there, and in his heart, he knew this is wrong. He knew over and over again, question, question, question. And that son that should have been the one that's willing to die for his own dad and do whatever he can for his family and, and to stay behind his dad and the heritage and stand up to be the, the, the father of many nations that they were called and promised by God of their heritage is manipulating and lying and deceiving in that moment to the point where his son, it breaks me even to think that if, if, if my kids did this to me, I couldn't take it. And he turns and he says, are you really, really Esau? And he says, yeah, dad, I am, as he walks away with the blessing. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of the blessing of Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out of the presence of Isaac and his father, and Esau, his brother, came from hunting. Now watch this. This is like drama unfolding. And you sit there and say, man, Pastor Tony, if you just knew how my family doesn't get along, if you just knew how I can't even talk to my daughter, I can't talk to my son. If you knew, if you knew, if you knew, do you know what you're seeing right now? You're watching it all unfold. And I know this is Jacob, but if you could go back in your life, hey, if you could go back in your life and God would begin to point out and say, let me show you how you've been a liar and a deceiver and a cheat and all these things for all of this time. And Isaac, his father, verse 32, said, I know who art thou? And he said, I am my son Firstborn, and Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Who? He knew. Wherefore he said, Take the venison and brought it to me. For I have eaten all of it before thou camest, and have blessed them, yea, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the word of his father, he cried with a great and exceedingly bitter cry. Can you feel the drama, the emotion, the brokenness? And he said, and his father, bless me, even so also, O oh, my father. And he said, thy brother came subtly and taken away from thy blessing. And he said, is not he rightly named Jacob? He said, I called it. Dad, that's who he has been. That's who he was when he was a little boy. That's how he was a, lead, a cheater. Every time we played games, every time we did this, he was a cheater, a cheater, a cheater. And dad, he is, he is still the same thing today, for he has supplanted me these two times, and he took away my birthright. Behold, now he hath taken away my blessings. And he said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? This was their, their mess, the anger, all of these other things. And I'm telling you, it cultivates in all of our lives. And I, I, I wish you could just say, I'm not a cheater like that, but what is your besetting sin? What is it that is in your life that you would be honest before God and just say, you know what, I was born this way and it's been repeated and repeated and repeated over and over and over again. Because we live in a generation of just disasters and messes, but could we stop and just look in the mirror and say, God, is it me? God, am I doing this? Is it my attitude? Is it my lust? Is it my greed? Is it my anger that is doing this? Have I created this mess? Watch this. This is, the, this is the family drama unfolding right here. Verse 41, and Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing. Can you imagine being mom now saying, what did I do? 
what did I do? I thought it was a good thing. I thought I was helping him. Rather than following God, she was following her flesh. Wherein his father blessed him, and Esau said in his heart, now Esau's talking, the day of mourning of my father are at hand, then I will slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah, and she sent and called Jacob, her, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau is touching thee, doth not comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. Let me just put it like this, it never did. Never did, it never did, it never did. All this is what happened. From that point, Jacob ends up leaving the house never to see his mom again. Jacob leaves his house, he never gets to see his father Isaac again. Isaac is mourning over his son, mourning over the betrayal of this. Jacob's on the run with a birthright that he can't do anything with. The whole blessing and the heritage is behind him. Everything falls apart. And you sit there and say, why is it like this? Because our sin will take us further than we plan to go. And our flesh will take over and our flesh will rip us apart. And our flesh is deceitful and wicked and arrogant. Our flesh will deceive you. We have these issues in our life and we're not being real. We're at church. This is what we do. We're real. I I, I don't care how fake you've been. I don't care if you are like that where you run in the house and shut the door and say, hey, I don't have any issues. We do have issues. We have problems in our lives. We have issues that are making and creating messes for us, compound issues, and we're passing it on and passing it on because of the fact is we're not going before God to say, God, what is wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Why is it not working? God, I need you. I must deny myself if I'm ever going to crucify my flesh. I must start with me. Have you been that person that you blamed other people for years and generations? You blamed your parents and you blamed your friends and everything rather than going in the mirror and saying, it's you. It starts with you.